There are occasions when working on a special program for Inside Supercars that not every piece of the puzzle falls into place and the interviews never see the light of day. This week, we have two of those such interviews. In December 2020, we were looking to do a special on how supercars were able to run the series through the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. We completed two of the proposed five interviews before the Christmas break. And in the new year, the other requested guests were unavailable. And without those parts of the puzzle, the show was unable to proceed. Moving forward through 2021 and into now 2022, the two interviews have become somewhat of a time catch-all because both of the people have left or are about to leave supercars. Today, we hear from John Casey and Nathan Prendergast. Well, it I mean, certainly wasn't the year we planned for. So, um, you know, I think now looking back, you know, I, I guess I look back with some pride. We handled ourselves very well in a very trying year. We got 11 race meetings done. We got it done without too much um, drama. It's The Departed today on Inside Supercars. I hope you'll stay with us. when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday Work Drinks where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry-free. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Starting with John Casey, John has had two stints in the executive office of supercars, leaving in 2019 as the Supercar's Chief Sales and Marketing Officer, moving on into the Foxtel organisation. During that stint, he had also held the roles at Supercar of Marketing Director and Business Development. He then returned to the Supercar's Head Office after four months at Foxtel as the lead on the Gen 3 program in the role of the Chief Strategy Officer. John Casey left Supercar's again in the first half of 2021. For John, he was always an interesting person to talk with and was respected by teams and media alike. I always enjoyed interviewing because he understood it's not the questions that were asked, it was the answers that he'd give that highlighted the conversation. A particular example of that was when I asked him about 2020 and was it a useful crisis that they could do a lot of changes that wouldn't normally be done in the regular business as usual. The saying of the year was, don't waste a crisis. Yeah, I don't know. Like, to be perfectly honest, when I saw that and, and, and when I hear that, um, it, it sort of strikes me as a bit cynical, really. Um, and I'm not, just not sure we operate that way. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, certainly from my perspective, um, you know, I don't think 
I don't think we in any way, shape or form um, took advantage of the, uh, the circumstances, which is kind of what that, that saying implies. Um, I, think, I think in terms of, you know, some of the, I mean, if, this is the wrong word, but um, if, if there was a benefit out of it all, I think, um, you know, o- over and above, you know, having a great experience of the, the, the commitment, the resilience, um, uh, the adaptability of, of, you know, the whole uh, supercars, broader supercars um, uh, team, you know, which includes, includes the fans, the, the teams, the commercial partners, as well as uh, the employees. I think it's the, and you know, this is not this is not um, uh, limited just supercars, but the you know focus on focus on costs and making sure, you know, everything everything we spend is is uh, you know for the uh, is 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 as as effective as it can be and as purposeful uh, as it can be. The other man we'll be speaking in this episode too is Nathan Prohanagast, who is leaving supercars after the Darwin round of the championship heading to the newly created SX Global to produce the coverage of the FIM World Supercross Championship. And if you'd like to know more about the World Supercross Championship, you can listen to Inside Supercars show number 377, where Ryan Sanderson talks about supercross, supercars and stadium racing. Nathan Prenagast has also had a long and distinguished career with the organisation. Nearly 20 years, in fact. And since January 2018, he has been the general manager of television and content at Supercars Media. If you'd like to find out more about Nathan, you could listen back to two shows on Inside Supercars, show number 186, Nathan Prenagast and SVG, and more recently, show number 279-2 Nathan Prenagast Supercars ETV where we looked at the E-Series and uh, particularly through the height of the 2020 COVID-19 crisis. In fact, my first question to Nathan was all about getting the E-Series up and running. Well, immediately the first thing that I said and I think I even sent Sean a text on the plane home from the Melbourne Grand Prix on the Friday night was we need to do an E-Series. And then um, what cemented it is I sort of had it in my head as, oh, we should look at this. And then Chad Nalon actually texted me. I think it was some NASCAR stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah no, we've got to do that. So we were we were on to the All-Star E-Series like literally before we'd even got back to Sydney from the Melbourne Grand Prix and pitched it into Sean. And then, and then Sean immediately went, yeah, great idea. Um, we went to the leadership team and everyone was on board and we, we had that underway and planned, you know, within the first week of getting back from the Grand Prix. So, so and I think that was a really good success, the All-Star E-Series. So. For John Casey, it saw 2020 being an, an interesting period in the story of supercars. It was possibly a time, and the only time in my memory, when the entire supercar circus held a single focus and self-interest was dropped for the common goal of survival. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely think that's, I, I think that's right. Uh, you know, in some respects, the, you know, the task, the actual objective was fairly, fairly simple, and, and that was 
you know, to be able to go racing. Um, and yeah, I think your your observation certainly aligns with with what I saw and what I experienced. And is is you know a, just a general commitment and, and cohesion from all players. Like not everyone agreed all the time for sure, um, but at the end of the day, everyone was generating from the same place, and and uh, that that's certainly a you know great formula for getting stuff done. Nathan Prinegas mentioned that on the trip home from Melbourne. He was planning the E-Series. John Casey gave his perspective of the Australian Grand Prix 2020. You know, that was a very dramatic, um, that was a very dramatic event. And obviously, we, you know, we were all on the ground uh, down there and, and, and uh, experienced it, its uh, rolling out. I think, I mean, I don't think, well, I think it'd be an exaggeration to say that, that, that we could have forecasted then what was to, you know, what was to happen next. But you know, we all we all knew, we, you know, we all knew that we had a major, you know, major, major, not just us in supercars, but community in general had a, and you know, the global community had a major issue uh, to uh, uh, to deal with, and and um, you know, at the time at the Grand Prix, we were just we were just focusing on on um, okay, what what what. What is the extent of this here? What's what's going to happen next? And and um, you know, I think our our planning horizon um, changed uh, from you know we we normally think about the season ahead, the the you know the next race, the next the next couple of races, and 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 a few other things. But um, you know, it was literally we went from we went from looking out um, to looking at what okay, so what do we do today? What do we do tomorrow? Communication through the supercar management change and particularly senior management. Did John notice any particular changes there? You know, we 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 all we were all together. Um, we all we all discuss everything all the time um, together. So it's not it's not you know it's not that kind of um, uh, work environment. So <laughs> excuse me, we just we just went into doing what we do all the time, which was discussion mode so everyone you know everyone has a say at least at least we're relevant and uh you know we we, we started to started to solve the uh, uh the problems as a team and uh, and, uh, and i think um you know my my experience of, of uh, sean's leadership um during that time was you know very much he he stepped up and into uh, uh into that role and got got the sport and the business through what was the rate of response like when trying to put ideas up and forward, was that anything like the normal process of how change management would have been operating in supercars? No, it wasn't a normal process. No, no. everything everything was happening quickly. Everything was happening quickly, and and everything was changing all the time. So you'd you'd make a decision, and then something would change, and you'd have to come up with a whole new approach. Did you have um, the time to have? plan a b and c or was it present plan a start down that road and then if it if a log was across the road you started looking at where b and c might take you uh, yeah I, I, look it was a combination um uh, craig you know the you know they say about the best the best laid plans um well you know that 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 applies to the best laid plans a b c d e f g h i j k etc um you know at the end of the day the the you know, the, the dogma was to uh, uh, go racing again, not stick to your plan. So the plans were updated 
changed, flexed, adapted when necessary in order to, to, to get things done. How did the commercial partners respond to supercars change in their ability to deliver what was agreed to in contracts? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, you know, at the outset, I would say that by and large, almost almost without exception, our, our commercial partners have been fantastic. You know, they've been supportive and understanding. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've, with the exception of maybe one or two brands, we've come through... I think with relationships stronger and, and um, more, you know, more open and, and, and better than ever. Obviously, they so were dealing. People, yeah, they, exactly. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't, there wasn't a great deal of explanation required as to, to, you know, when we could and couldn't do something. The diversity of offerings from supercars is one of the highlights and one of the things businesses look for when they're dealing with the organisation and putting their sponsorship money somewhere. How did those commercial partners and those partnerships all work together? Uh, so, you know, I mean, we're extremely fortunate, um, I guess, in a couple of dimensions. So, you know, firstly, our, our commercial team, to, I mean, they, they do a great job and they've done a great job for a long time and, and you know, their, their orientation is to, to do whatever they can to support the objectives of the commercial partner so the relationships you know started out strong and at the same time you know we had some we had some properties that you know like the e-series um that were all you know i think the e-series was in its third year albeit not obviously not with the same uh the same profile so we had these we had these things that um that that were ready to go and whilst they didn't they didn't replace what we normally did. They 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 meant that we weren't off air during the uh, during the shutdown. So and and I, and I think yeah, once again, you know, by and large, our commercial partners um, appreciated that. Once again, while they weren't replacements for, for what it is that they bought, they were appreciative of you know the the effort involved in you know giving them something rather than uh, rather than nothing. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's for the it's it's uh, please don't. Here, this is me speaking on behalf of our commercial partners. I'm not; they 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 speak for themselves. But that my my impression generally was that they, they were uh, they were appreciative of it. Nathan Brennigas gives his thoughts process on how they were going to keep on air and keep delivering. The first shutdown was straight away. How do we stay on air? How do we keep our sponsors engaged? How do we keep our drivers on television? And how do we give our rights holders content? And I think it serves the purpose. So to deliver something to Fox Sports, how did Nathan go about coming up with the Sidetrack program? Well, we just thought it was important to stay on TV. You know, we were lucky that um, Fox Sports were going to give us facilities and, and were keen to support us to make sure that we could keep our messaging going. The E-Series was delivering the racing. Sidetracked had to deliver the um, the topics and the conversation around that. And it was also a way to bring in our extended family and friends around the supercar partners, you know, um, our Formula One mates, our um, existing drivers, you know, anyone that's a fan of the sport, it was a good way to do it. Uh, the telecast director, Brian Forshaw, actually came up with the name because we, we obviously have Trackside. <laughs> and then he said, well, how about we have Sidetracked, uh, which I thought was actually a brilliant name. So 
we just went to Fox and said, look, we want to do a 10-week run of this. Um, will you support it? And they, and they did, which was fantastic. And and then um, between Crompo, Jesse Yates and Scafi, we, we just worked pretty closely on what we wanted to do each week and put it together. And it was, you know, not an extremely highly polished show. I mean, I was line producing it. It's not the role I normally do. You know, we, we, we all were all hands on deck to, to get it up and running, but it was... It was good and it delivered some fun stuff. And I think the star of the show there was Mark Larkin with his uh, uh, little reports and his stories that he shot from his farm on different bits and pieces. And um, yeah, I think it was it was a good another good product and a, and a positive thing that came out of that COVID period. After the first shutdown, 2020 restarted, but it was under a very different Supercars Media operational structure, as Nathan explains. Um, the first thing that was fairly different for us when we were able to go racing again in Sydney because we obviously had to adhere to the COVID restrictions. So we weren't allowed to even go into a team garage, let alone point a camera in there. And obviously one of the things we pride ourselves on is access. So the ability to give you the behind the scenes of everything and not even being able to point a camera in a garage, let alone walk in was a, was a bit of a shock and a change for us when we first went racing in Sydney. And then it was obviously the implementation of social distancing and so forth. So we sort of got through it, but it was a very unusual race meeting because we were down key crew that we couldn't bring in. We were down key talents that we couldn't put on to uh, essentially make it up as, as we go. We tried different host locations and then realised that the best place to be was sort of down in the lane and moving around. And, and we got through the first Sydney and we got a result, but it wasn't exactly what we wanted. Um, Second Sydney, um, when it all started to flare up down in Melbourne again and it became pretty clear that we were going to have some border restrictions, we were moving as nimbly as the business was. So the business obviously made a decision to to get everyone into Sydney quickly, uh, into New South Wales quickly, and then we had to make a decision once it was aware that the Northern Territory borders weren't going to open to New South Wales of how we had to deal with the next problem of racing in the Northern Territory. So we put a very um, quick meeting together and in about 48 hours completely changed the way we were going to approach the next couple of race meetings. It was, it was really obvious to us that we couldn't take everyone on the road. It was a, at that point probably looking like a four to six week trip, which actually turned out to be 10. And it was not feasible that everyone remained on the road for the whole time. So we had to change the way we do the broadcast. And the most simplest way to do that was to leave producers and hosts and commentators in Sydney and to do a semi-remote production. So split the two entities up. Um, so we put a core crew together um, of contractors and full-time staff that had to go on the road and very quickly got them um, from New South Wales into Queensland. Um, we all then had to spend two weeks in Queensland before we were allowed into the Northern Territory. And then we just sourced the rest of the crew from wherever we could. So at that point, people from Queensland were allowed into the Northern Territory. People from South Australia were allowed into the Northern Territory. So we drew from uh, our crew and, and, and um, technical resources from the states we could but we couldn't bring anyone from New South Wales or Victoria, which is where a lot of our key people come from. And then everyone else that was from those states that had decided to go on the road 
was forced to stay on the road. But the, the beauty of it is that we actually ended up um, coming up with a product that worked very well. Uh, there was a lot of instances where not even the drivers realised that when they were talking to you know, the hosts and commentators in the Sydney studio that they weren't on site and a lot of viewers didn't realise that they weren't on site. So we seemed to make the, the, the transition quite seamless. It, it allowed us to stay on air and it, um, it got us a good result. And then obviously those that could stay on the road continued to stay. We had to send some home, particularly our graphics operator couldn't remain the whole time. And then that forced us into a scenario of learning how to do the, the graphics remotely. So it forced us to try new technologies, to try new things and develop new ways to do certain things. And, you know, we've got great partners in Gravity Media. We've got very clever people that freelance and contract to us. And, you know, nothing seemed to be a roadblock. We managed to pull it off. So what was the major lesson learnt in how they put their broadcasts together in 2020? Uh, look, what we have is the ability to move quickly should another COVID scenario arise. Whilst we did deliver a technical result, um, the best possible result is to have everyone on site because they get access to the teams and the drivers and the information flow and the atmosphere. So, so whilst... We can do that remote scenario. Our preference is to still bring people on site. However, should we find a scenario where we need to move to it, we can do it immediately and we know exactly what we're dealing with. Some of the things that we um, did uh, do on the road with some of the creative decisions and some of the ways that we did some of the reporting will, will remain. Um, but from a technical standpoint, ideally we want to go back to the way we, we did things at the start of the year and in 2019. So with new media, what has been the revelations that 2020 provided Supercast Media? Well, what I learned is that you can get away with a lot. So in the early days of um, you know having to send a full broadcast camera and a full link truck to, to get pictures out of somewhere and all proper microphones, you know people will accept Zoom um, and webcasting. People will accept you know you to broadcast. Um, you know, someone on their laptop or on their phone. So I, I learned that you can get away with things that people will deal with a slight lack in quality if they get the content and you're still getting entertained. So we utilised a lot of that when we made the sidetracked promo. So we, we did some FaceTiming and some, some Zoom um, meetings just to bring guests in and drivers. And, of course, it's how we integrated all the drivers with the E-Series through a, a giant Zoom, two giant Zoom conferences. So... You know, I think the whole world's learned that you know you can. There is some um, some great remote um, video conferencing op options that can be used in the main broadcast. Digital delivery has now been increased across supercars. What is that future going to look like? Then is digital delivery now a bona fide tier or platform like television, like pay TV? It always was in my head. I think they're aligning faster than most people expected. But for me, digital was always a genuine platform with huge voice and, you know, a huge amount of influence. You know, currently FTA and, and subscription TV still carries a huge amount of weight for obvious reasons. Um, but, yeah, no, digital is extremely important to 
not only supercars future and its media plans but i think every sport so how is digital going to be different in the future to a free-to-air or pay television broadcast yeah i look at it as a positive not a not a not a problem necessarily because they're two different offerings so for example we're not going to be giving full race formats and full day coverages of of digital channels domestically and in in new zealand you know, we are expanding into more of that as an offering internationally and we need to do more with our international fan base. But, but you know, for what matters here in Australia and our, and our domestic market, what we do digitally and what we do on FTA and subscription is totally different things. So what we need to do is target um, what we deliver digitally. I mean, we, we've got a uh, digital content strategy. You know, there's, there's more resources going into the digital team um, and... Our, our plan is to increase our video content digitally to be able to monetize it through lots of different means, but deliver additional stuff. So not just straight race clips of here's a highlight of this car or here's what happened in this practice session. It needs to be additional complementary and unique content that's specific to digital. And a lot of it, and most of it for that fact, should be off-track stuff. For John Casey, is what you were able to do in changing the way you had your offerings and and partnership packages now going to be the new normal in supercars going forward? Um, Yeah, Craig, I'm not sure uh, about about that. I mean, I think there's a a capability within the business now to be, you know, to be more, more flexible and, you know, I think, I think our capacity for change is now much greater than, uh, than it has been. So, you know, I guess those, those, those capabilities will, 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 will come, come in handy in the future, no doubt, um, whatever that brings. As I said, I think our, our, our partnerships are, are by and large stronger um, than they have been. And, uh, yeah, that, 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 that'll keep us in, in, in good stead, hold us in good stead. One of the things that supercars continued to work on during the COVID shutdown was the new media rights deal. How is it different negotiating a media rights deal through COVID-19? Oh, oh I don't know what a normal process is, uh, to be honest. So, uh, um, I, I, I mean, I think once again, like, you know, can consider who we were dealing with. So we were dealing with, with, with Fox, who, who have been magnificent partners all, all the way through. They know us well, and, and, and we know them. And they, you know, we, we, we were doing a deal uh, for, the, for the future, not, not a deal based in, you know, the right, right there and then. Um, and, you know, they, they knew only too well what, what we're able to, uh, uh, able to deliver, and they were very, very very supportive of uh, supercars. I think that, you know, the experience for, uh, of um, supercars for, for them has been good. So, you know, I mean, they're tough negotiators, don't get me wrong, but all at the same time uh, supportive of supportive of supercars and, and supportive of, the, of a long-term partnership and supportive of motorsport in general. And then, you know, on the Seven side, you know, we were dealing with uh, with James Warburton and the crew at Seven, many of whom were around when Supercars was last at Seven. A group of people that that understand 
programming. They understand sport, and and right from the very top, they you know they understand uh, supercars and and the benefit supercars can uh, uh, can bring to the to the network. So, and again, not not um, you know they're they're they're, they're tough uh, tough negotiators, but um, they get what we do and and they value it. So, I can't compare it to to any other. Uh, process because rights process because you know they're all they're all different but I wouldn't wouldn't say it was the ideal time uh, to renegotiate uh, uh, rights but uh, it certainly helped that we were dealing with the people who we were dealing with. If cricket was the high watermark which everyone predicted for media rights, where do you feel supercars during the COVID pandemic achieved? We worked through the facts and and um, came came out with a, a commercial deal, which was which was great for for supercars, great for supercars fans, great for our commercial partners, and and uh, um, hopefully great for the broadcasters. How much did having such a high quality professional supercars media organisation internally have in potentially increasing the value or or getting the value for the supercars product? Craig, I mean, it just takes away a bunch of questions, right? So, you know, as you say, that very, very, you know, world-class production capability, it means that nobody has to connect any dots in in the negotiation conversations. They, they know what they're going to get. They're going to get a superb quality uh, product. And it just makes just makes those, those discussions uh, more straightforward. things John Casey was responsible for is the Gen 3 platform and we asked him about how Gen 3 progressed through the COVID isolations. I think you know we just we just had because the because the Gen 3 committee is you know made up of the representatives from the homologation team so triple triple eight on the gm side and djr on the ford side as well as um, uh, brad jones racing and and um, tim edwards you know we're, we're reliant on resources uh, being available and and um, the reality is during the lockdown we had access to some resources that wouldn't otherwise be available at that time and then we went when we went back uh, racing then those, uh, those those resources became less available so yeah we just we just adapted and changed the program to uh, utilize the resources when they were there and do something else when they weren't did it mean that the resources at the beginning of the shutdown period were more available and you got more done than possibly you thought you might some resources were more available um, and and um, cert- certainly from the teams uh, the resources were more available but from a supercars perspective they were less available so then so it's a balance there was, there was, yeah, there was a bit of, bit of, bit of give and take. The problem of people being on JobKeeper and also not in the office was also felt at Supercars Media, where they had a high number of people who were working on contracts, not employees, as Nathan Prenegast explained. Look, we supplied JobKeeper to those that qualified for as long as we could. Um, we tried to keep as many of our existing core crew on the road and, and working with us. It was very sad to see that we couldn't help out a lot of our Victorian uh, core crew that had been with us in some instances for, you know, 
over 20 years, these people hadn't missed a race meeting and then went a whole season sitting on the couch because they weren't allowed to leave the state, well, enter our state, rather. So, um, you know, that was challenging for us, um, but we're not immune to it. You know, like COVID has dealt, you know, uh, a big financial blow on a lot of, of lot of things, and particularly in 2020, it was extremely challenging. So we had to go back and reinvent the way we did things and be smarter about how we um, approached certain projects. Even the, the Bathurst 1000 was not immune from, from certain changes. So in that instance, it was hard and some pe- some people in some roles and some assets weren't weren't available. But, you know, it was important to us to, to try to support those that have supported us and, tr- and try to look after our crew as much as we can. And um, like I said, those that that did qualify for JobKeeper um, due to the duration that they've worked for us or the contract scenario that they're under, we did look look after whilst we could. Um, but yes, it was very hard for a lot of people. So working into 2021 and planning the new media offerings? Well, I think the short answer is one race meeting at a time. But if you look at the way the calendar is designed, it's fairly spread out. It's, it's a year of rebuilding. It's a year of... Um, making sure that everyone can deliver and that it's capable of, of um, you know, getting done without putting excess pressure on any particular part of the business. So it's also um, designed that way so that should there be um, any pauses or outbreaks, there is enough gaps in the season to be able to push things in if it needs to be bunched up. So the way we approach it is, First of all, with the positive attitude that it's going to be okay and we're going to be able to deliver and do exactly as the calendar is scheduled, but we have to handle it exactly as we did in 2020, and and that's be dynamic and change should you know situations arrive where things have to be varied. So we're planning as you see it. You know we are planning for um, introduction of a new free wear partner. We're planning on you know slowly working back up to the levels that we all know and expect. But we're also going to be, have to be nimble enough to change should we need to. Is one of the things that you have to find going to be more off track and more non-race weekend content? Definitely digitally. It's it's next year we want to do more like that after race meetings in a digital platform. You you probably um, don't want to be delivering that sort of show relentlessly to the networks but you can most definitely deliver shows like that and have more of a say and more of an opinion and more of a point of view in a digital space and that's what we're planning on doing next year. The COVID-19 period has been a, a huge challenge. What did John Casey, firstly, then Nathan Prendergast, learn about themselves? I hate I absolutely hate working from home. Um, so I get the, um, you know, the, the, the Zoom calls and the technology, are, um, you know, they're better than uh, uh, better than nothing. But for me, you know, I, I, I much prefer, uh, much prefer the face to face and yeah, I much prefer actually getting out of the house and uh, uh, going somewhere every day. <laughs> I learned I like directing again. I did a little bit of that. But no, in, in truth, um, I learned a few things about leading people. I learned a few things about hardship, about how to, 
you know, make sure that you're always looking out, out for each other. Um, I learnt that I love, I love Australia, and I actually loved being on the road. And and the, you know, the one really cool thing about the ten weeks away was that I drove the whole way, and uh, I got to see some amazing parts of Australia. But I mean, it wasn't a huge journey of self-discovery, but I did learn um, a bit about how to deal with people in trying times, and 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 make sure that the team were looked after and 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 that they had what they required, not only from the professional standpoint, but from the personal standpoint, to get through what they were going through. What did they learn about their team? Look, I was just amazed by their resilience. You know, um, they were extremely patient. They were extremely willing to do whatever it took. I mean, there were some instances where we were unsure as to where the next race meeting was. I, I recall that the South Australian dates were were not announced until we were still in Townsville. And, and these guys were just, yep, um, I'm uh, whatever it takes, Nate, or you know, we'll get it done. So, you know, I, I was already, I already knew the, the, the capabilities, the professional capabilities of these people. I mean, some of them have, have been working with me since the, when I first started in, in the mid 2000s. Um, but just to see their uh, resilience and, and willingness to just deliver for us. Um, was, I was very, very proud. Um, what I what I learned about the um, broader supercars community, however, though, is is so I, I just staggered at the level of commitment and and uh, resilience and um, adaptability and and creative uh, uh, problem solving that collectively exists, you know, across team land, across um, uh, supercar staff. Um, uh, etc. is is you know is is is, is amazing. Mm. Um, so so yeah, that that's that's probably my key my key learning. You know that 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 collective uh, uh, group has got the capacity to do incredible things and did so. And what did you learn about the the supercars management and particularly the executive? Yeah, I think I think I mean it's the same learning, right? Like the commitment, the resilience. Uh, the adaptability, the creativity—you know—all all in 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 terrible circumstances. You know, we we weren't immune from uh, job losses and 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 um, going on JobKeeper and and things like this, as as many other organisations were, were equally affected. And and people just got on with the job. Oh, I was very proud that the management team was so nimble and could work so quickly. I mean, Anthony Hogarth out. Uh, our legal uh, guru, the way he had to deal with all the different government restrictions and the endless changes and and the events team for how they had to adapt to the um, COVID restrictions and, and the endless government meetings that Sean and Shane and, and the entire team had to do. I mean, everyone was literally tap dancing the whole way to make this thing happen and adjusting and, and, and changing and being nimble and, and having to be flexible. I mean... We were a pretty dynamic team there between every department to do whatever it took to make sure that, um, you know, the championship stayed active. So as we rolled out of 2020, as I said, these interviews were done in December of 2020. What John Casey think 2021 would bring? Um, well, I, I, I have a hope. 
um, like you, that, that, that it'll be more normal. You know, I have a hope that, that um, you know, a combination of low or no community spread of the virus and, a, and a, um, an effective vaccine uh, rolled out during the year will enable events to you know, to get to get back to uh, uh, normal and to you know to have crowds and having crowds is great for obviously great for the fans. It makes for better television and you know in- interesting. The teams and the drivers like they like racing in front of a uh, crowd. It brings a extra dimension to the experience and to the show. And it would be great to have that back. And also you know for 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 our commercial partners to to come and touch and feel uh, what it what it is we actually do. That's that's my that's my hope uh, for uh, uh, for next for next year. As they both reflected on what was a huge 2020. Look, I'm really proud of the fact that we got it done. You know, like um, I personally went on the road for 10 weeks, was away from my family for 10 weeks. I'm proud of the teams for their commitment. They. I think in the end, I think it was 13 or 15 weeks or maybe even longer for the, some of those those guys before they got back to their families. I think we handled ourselves very well in a very trying year. We got 11 race meetings done. We got it done without too much um, drama or issues or, or fanfare. We just knuckled down and did it. And I'm really proud of the people that... that committed themselves to the sport that made the commitment to walk out the door at a very short notice and go on the road for what was an indeterminate amount of time for the sport and to make sure that the broadcast could keep going. And, and you know, my early conversations with some of these people was I figured it might be, you know, four, maybe maximum six weeks. And like I said, I, I didn't get back for 10 and, and uh, a lot of the guys that started with me at the same time were the same. So, just a commitment and, and and very proud of the fact that we, we pulled it off. We got a season done. There was some really good television made. We were nimble. We were agile. And, um, you know, we evolved and did whatever it took to get the broadcast done and keep the sport on the, you know, to the fans and therefore the show on the road. Well, it I mean, certainly wasn't the year we planned for. But, um, you know, I think now looking back you know I've, I, I guess I look back with 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 some pride you know on behalf of the sport generally and what was what it was able to achieve in in you know pretty pretty horrendous uh, uh, circumstances so to be honest just 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 happy to played some small part in what we're able to uh, uh, deliver and I, I when I say what we're able to deliver I don't say that in a conceited way I just say it as a as a you know as a what so you know the reality is that that we were able to get away some uh, uh, some incredible events against uh, not all the odds but it, against a lot of them so um, uh, that's uh, that's pretty pleasing I asked Nathan Prinnegast with what they had achieved with on the road for over a hundred days and all the work they had to do to keep the broadcast going. What did he expect the toll of 2020 to be? Oh, there's been a cost because we've obviously, you know, due to restrictions, we've lost a couple of people um, just by the nature of of any business that has to, you know, recut its tube to keep sailing. Um, So, you know, there's that cost. We've asked a lot of people, but I think the team's really resilient. I mean, everyone in supercars has got a huge amount of resilience and, and drive, and, and that's why they're here. You know, they love the sport. 
they worked hard both at events and in the office. So I think after a big break, everyone will be fine. I don't think there's, other than the, the ones we've sadly lost, due to just, you know, standard business practice, that, but that I, I believe after a break, everyone will be ready to go again in 21. It's interesting having a chance to look back now and see the question about the toll. Here's how the management structure has changed at the top level of supercars. The CEO, Sean Seema, has left the organisation. Shane Howard's now been installed as his successor. The coup position which Shane left is now filled by Cameron Price. That's the Chief Operating Officer. Cameron Price, for the moment, will continue as the CFO as well. That's Chief Financial Officer. The General Counsel, Anthony Hogarth, who you heard referenced a number of times with the work he had done through 2020 to be able to negotiate with governments and to keep the show on the road, is remaining in that General Counsel role for the moment. The GM, Television and Content, Nathan Prendergast, he leaves the organisation in a few months' time. And in the coming weeks, it is expected that David Tunnicliffe, his understudy, formerly at Channel 10, moved to supercars and a number of years ago will be moved up to that position. It'll be confirmed, as I mentioned, in a couple of weeks. The GM commercial is Jamie Black and the head of motorsport remains Adrian Burgess. So four positions have changed since that 2020 interview. Looking at other positions, the general manager of public relations and communications was Felicity Hamlin. She's left the organisation and that job is expected to be filled in the coming weeks. John Casey was the Chief Strategy Officer, not part of the executive. He has been replaced by Mark Pajik. Diana Barbrich left the organisation as Head of Digital, replaced by Tom Sadler. So another three senior members of the staff have left from the eight next tier of management. Whether all are attributed to COVID-19 in the end or they had just moved on is yet to be determined. But it does seem that we are certainly starting to see the toll of 2020 hitting the sport. And that's not to mention the engineers, the mechanics and the other members at team level that have all moved on and teams are struggling to find people to replace them. Some of those stories you'll be hearing in the weeks ahead. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.